We're going to bow in prayer as we get ready to start. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10 and in Matthew chapter 13. Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. We ask you to guide and lead us in what you would have us to see. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed these to the babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knows who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. And then turning to Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 10. Same story, but in Matthew. And the disciples came and said, Why speak you to them in parables? And he answered and said, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he that shall have more abundantly. But whoever hath not, from him shall be taken even what he has. Therefore I speak unto them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophet of Isaiah, which said, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For this people's hearts wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear." just want to look at this because this is quite an interesting idea that without God's spirit we cannot understand spiritual things and this is something that was over and over through the scriptures and Jesus said he was thankful that the wise and prudent couldn't understand these things and wise is literally those who are able to put things together uh, and it's kind of interesting if you've ever dealt with people who are wise, at least in their own eyes, and they go, well, I don't understand the Bible. Everything doesn't make sense. And how many of us, before we got saved, we looked at the Bible and we read it and it didn't make any sense. And we're going, nothing makes sense. But when we got saved, all of a sudden it made sense. And the Spirit put things, puts things together for us. And this is what God says over and over again, it's not revealed to the worldly wise because this is the spiritual world. This deals with things that we cannot see, cannot taste, cannot hear, cannot touch. You know, uh, so we're, all these things that are involved are spiritually known. And we can know a lot. We can learn a lot from the Bible. The Bible has a lot of history in it. It has a lot of science in it. It has a lot of... Uh, ways in psychology and true psychology and true sociology fit into the Bible. But without knowing God, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, those that are able to understand knowledge are not able to understand spiritual things without the Spirit 
living in them. And this is something that we have to understand. And I just wanted to bring this up today because it is so important. It says, All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knows who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom it is revealed. Again, God has put a call out to everybody. Our job is simply to tell people the good news. And if you've ever done very much witnessing and sharing the gospel, you know that a lot of people just say, well, nope, not interested. They're not ready. But it's so much fun when you're giving it to somebody who's ready and their eyes light up and it's revealed to them and things just make sense for them. And revealed means disclosed disclosed what before was unknown, to see, to understand. How many times when you're studying the Bible does something just jump off the page at you and it's just a great truth and you're just reading along and all of a sudden it just says, pay attention to me. Yeah, I've been studying it for just a mere 40, 40 plus years and it still has a lot of times when something jumps off the page at me and says, pay attention. And I've read it, you know, I, and I've told you all, I kind of have fun with God when I'm reading through the Bible and ask God, when did you put that in the Bible? Because I don't remember it being there before. <laughs> you know, and I know that it had to have been there. I, re I read it through, you know, I try to read it through every year. And I've been trying to do that for a long, you know, for almost four decades. And yet I still come to places where it just says, I don't remember ever seeing this here because the Spirit is revealing the Spirit reveals truth to us. It's not that we can understand all of this stuff. Spiritual knowledge comes through God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says, A generation arose that did not know God. That's after Joshua had led the people and the judges came in there, and a generation came up that did not know God, did not remember the miracles of God, did not remember the manna, and that chapter goes on to tell you how they went into rebellion. Yeah, and this is something that is a scary place for us in our day and age. We are getting a generation being raised up that does not know God. And it's kind of an amazing thing because the more people I talk to, I'm, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s when everybody knew about God a little bit. But you know, the, you talk to some people, there are people out there that have never picked up a Bible. They don't know any of the Bible stories. They don't know anything about God. We have a generation that doesn't know God. And when people don't know God, they don't obey his rules and his laws. And then they live under the consequences of breaking the laws. You know, because one of the things that you'll hear always said, you know, ignorance of the law is no excuse. God has that same attitude. If you're ignorant of his laws, you have a conscience, you have it inbred into you, he makes no excuse, and there will be consequences for it. And we're seeing in our world the consequences of people removing themselves from God. You know, just little things like that uh, there's some 27, 28 different genders now that are recognized. God said he created man and woman. And that's all there is, plain and simple, no matter what the world says. You know, we have people that are willing to lie just as long as they think they can get away with it because they don't understand that God says speak the truth and God says speak the whole truth. You know, we get further and further away from God's rules and more and more problems occur because of 
getting further and further from his rules. So our job is, number one, we as individual believers need to get to know God's word. <laughs> what does God say? We need to get to know him. And following his rules aren't going to make us any more acceptable to God because we're as acceptable as we will be because Jesus died for our sins and came in and washed us and put us in that. But obeying the rules gives us great consequences. <laughs> we don't have to go through hardships, through hard times. And, you know, this is very important. Everybody who's lived a very hard life and walked deep into sins knows what it's like to have to pay for those sins over a long period of time. And we, we look at this, and there's this whole process. In uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 3.20, God says, He knows his thoughts of the wise, and they are vain. <laughs> Have you ever talked to somebody who thinks they're wise? <laughs> and you try to tell them about Jesus, and they will give you a hundred reasons why they don't believe. None of them mean anything when you, when you take and chip them away. But, you know, I've loved dealing with college students. In my, in my past. So God puts me in the middle of a town where no colleges <laughs> students are, but I love dealing with college students. I love trying to talk to them about what they believe, why they believe what they believe. You'd be surprised how many people growing up do not understand what they believe or why they believe it. The sad thing is there's lots of churches where people don't understand what they believe or why they believe it. I have, been, I have seen churches where they're told, just believe it because I said so. If you ever get in a church like that, get away from that church as fast as you can because that's not a good place to be. We want to be at some place where it says, do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe? God says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. We need to understand God is a God of reason. He is a God that is logical. His, his rules come out of his being. The more we get to know him, the more we will become like him and be obedient to him because we get to know him. And you become like what you spend time with. And this is something that's very important for us to understand. You know, how many of us have heard or been told our kids, you know, uh, birds of a feather flock together or you don't want to be with bad company because they will corrupt you? It is true. Bad company corrupts. Good company can encourage people to be good. It's a little rare, it's a little harder, but you know, this is why we are called to meet together as a church so that we can say, hi, how are you doing? How's things going? Encourage people. When we see something that is going on in somebody's life, we can lovingly encourage them. And as I've said before, if you're not praying for somebody, don't try to correct them. If you don't love them enough to be praying for them first, you have no business trying to correct their life. And the thing that I have learned, if you start praying for them, God usually corrects them without you having to talk to them. But you cannot correct them if you're not praying for them because you have not shown enough love for that to be the case. Amos uh, 3.10 says, For they, they know not to do right, saith the Lord, who stirs up the violence and the robberies of their practices. That's Amos 3.20. Our world is growing in more and more violence, more and more evil, because people do not know God. They are living in the world's knowledge which says, you know, what's, whatever I think is right is right, and whatever you think is right is, is right, and there's no right, you know, absolute. You know, it, it is fun to deal with that whole, that whole issue. 
know, uh, I used to ask the guys at the college, they'll go, well, there's no absolute, absolute uh, truth. And I'm going, is that absolutely true? And they look at me like I just said something crazy because they knew that the logic that they had said was not right. If there is no absolute truth, you cannot make the absolute statement that there is no absolute truth. Because that's an absolute truth. <laughs> yeah. And this is the problem when we deal with those people that don't know God and they're trying to figure out in their own wisdom how many times do they speak out of both sides of their mouth at the same time and contradict themselves? Now, we have trouble ourselves, you know, even knowing God. But we at least know that there's a standard of truth that we're supposed to be meeting. They don't believe that there's any standard of truth, so they can say things that are diametrically opposed and not even have a problem with it. And I've dealt with this a lot. I get to deal with it at work frequently when people, when I decide I want to, you know, talk with them because I have a lot of people in my department that have uh, masters and doctorates in human, humanist training and they're fun they're fun to talk to at times frustrating to talk to <laughs> you know but they're kind of fun sometimes to talk to because of the things they believe are so out there and so diametrically opposed to what they what they say and it is interesting do you know what you believe? Do you know why you believe? And I've shared this several times in the Bible studies especially. I do not want everybody in the church to agree with me on every biblical point. I would be afraid if everybody agreed with me on every biblical point. Because that would be building us into a cult situation. And I don't want that to happen. But I do want people to know why do you believe? Now, if somebody disagrees with me, I'm pretty sure I know, why, I know what they're going to say when they disagree, and that's fine. I, I've, I've analyzed both sides of almost every issue. You know, I know what you're going to say because I've read both sides and I've weighed both sides out. But, you know, one of the things that I have learned over the years, I graduated from Bible school, I've told this to you all, and I knew all the answers to every biblical issue there was to answer. And I'd fight you to the death on every one of them. I've learned over the years there's very few things that are worth fighting over. The, fighting over. Now, I've told you, a handful of them, I will fight to the death that Jesus is the one and only Son of God who died for our sins and, and rose again and was resurrected and He is the way, the truth, and life, you know, and the only way to salvation. I will argue that one because that is what Christianity is all about. I will argue that the Word of God is the absolute Word of God and it is true, every word of it is true. Beyond that, there's not a whole lot that I will argue over. Now, I believe very strongly, and you all know I believe very strongly on what I believe. And I can tell you why. All I ask is to know why you believe what you believe. Know what it is so that you can say that you're a workman worthy, that you've studied, that you've shown yourself worthy that you know what you're ready, you're ready to give an answer for what you believe, as, as Peter said, or an apology, an, an explanation. We need to be ready to do this. This is so important. Jesus in Matthew said that these things were hidden from people. The mysteries of God were hidden from people. Now, mysteries are things that are just covered, unrevealed. There are things that are in the Bible that God says, I'm going to reveal. 
And the more we get to know him, the deeper we get, the more we get to know him. The word of God is living and quick according to Hebrews. And this is one of the great things. As we study it, we go further in. Yeah. I heard a pastor said, and I didn't know, I agreed it. He goes, I could preach on the same verse for, for an entire year and have a different message every time. And I'm beginning to think that that's probably true. That God can open up information out of a verse. Now, I don't know if I could do 52 weeks of the same verse, but I understand what he's saying. The more you study a verse, the more you get to know it, the more depth that you get to know it, the more you draw out of the word. Uh, you know, salvation. Salvation is such an easy topic. We are sinners. We deserve punishment. Jesus died for our sins. And if you accept his gift, you are, you're, you're going to go to heaven. Very simple, simple truth. But I have actually done a class on the 51 things that happen to you at the moment that you're saved. And how many of you thought about the 51 things that happen to you at the moment that you're saved? So we teach a very simple truth to people to get saved, and then there's so much more to teach them about what happened at that moment. This is true of just about everything in the Bible. So it starts out very simple. The, sim the truth is so simple that any young child can understand it. And then we can get into it and tear it apart and, and dig deep and find that God has got so much more. Why? Because this is God's word. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And we can't know him completely. And he gives us a word that is living and that has depth in it. So much depth that we can study it for an entire life. And I read some of the people that have been, that spent their entire lives writing, writing, writing the books about the scriptures, teaching. They spent 60, 70 years studying. And every one of them say it was still new. It was still fresh. I have not seen very many books in my life all the time outside of the Bible that are new and fresh every time you read it. Uh, I have some books that I do like, but you know, it's kind of interesting because you know exactly what's going to happen and you go, it's not as interesting the second time you read it. It's not as interesting the third time you read it. But the Bible is new and fresh with depth that we can't understand. And then we start tying it all together. It used to be easy for me to just read my three chapters a day and put the Bible away. Now when I read it, I, I keep finding myself wanting to study. I go, well, this is referring to this person over here. And I start flipping back to remind myself of that story. And, it, and this is, was taught over here. We start understanding that this is one book. And this is something that's very important for us to understand. The Bible was written over 1,400 years by 40 authors under three continents and yet is one complete book. Because the true author is God. So all of it is interchangeable and we can draw from it and we can add together. And we understand as we go through this, in verse 15 in Matthew 13, it said, For the people's heart is waxed gross. And this word for gross is kind of an interesting word for us because it literally means to be made stupid. <laughs> the further we get from God, from God's perspective, the stupider we get. You know, uh, and it's kind of interesting when you talk to people that 
are really far from God. And you're going, how can you believe the stuff that you're believing? How could you be that insane, stupid, crazy, whatever word you want to use? Now, I'm not going to say that to them because I'm not out to start a huge argument, but I'm thinking in my mind, how can you believe that? The longer I walk with God, the more I get to see how he interacts with the human race. And it's an amazing thing. Have you looked at what God has done for you over your lifetime? Have you counted the blessings that he's given you? Have you counted how he has kept you out of trouble? And this is something that is very interesting. Maybe you can remember when you got saved. How did your life change when you got saved? I had a temper taken away from me when I got saved. My temper was so bad that I'm absolutely sure that if I hadn't got saved and, and had my temper taken away, I would have been in prison for murdering somebody because I was that angry at people. And I had enough self-defense training and everything and, and strength to be able to hurt people. And I had hurt people even before I got, even before I got saved at 10 years old. God changed my life. And I don't know where I would have ended up, but I know where I probably would have ended up would have been in trouble. All right. Uh, how many of you know that your life would have been in trouble without God? Don't raise your hands. That's what you're looking for. But you know, even with God, we get into trouble. <laughs> without him, life would have been really bad. And then he said, not only does it make it, but their ears grow dull of hearing. They can no longer hear God speak. This is something that is very interesting because we will tell people, God spoke to me. Now, in my lifetime, there's only one time that I think God literally spoke to me in an audible voice, but he's spoken to me many times into my heart. Now, so the question is, are you listening to the voice of God? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. We need to understand that when we are in him, we need to be hearing listening. How do we hear his voice? How do we know his voice? We spend time listening. You know, we've kind of gotten away from it, but I like to tell people, and you know, remember the days before the phone told you who was calling? And you picked it up, and you said hello, and you heard their voice, and you knew who it was just by the voice on the phone because you talked to them often enough to know who it was? You know, nowadays we just pick it up and say, oh, hi mom, or you know, you know, hi, whoever. How about after church? Write it down. I'll answer after. Um, but here it says, are we listening to his voice? Are we hearing his voice? Are we paying attention to his voice? Most of the time, his voice comes from the word. There are times when we know the word that we just know that what God is asking us to do is his word because we know the word. One thing I will say, and everybody should know this, if you're, if you're planning to do something and you think God has told you and it is against the word of God, it's not God. Plain and simple. If it doesn't match up to the word of God, you did not hear from God. And we need to be able to understand that that is a very true statement. If it matches to the word, then it probably is from God. Or could be from God. I'm not going to argue that point. But if it says, you know, 
well, God wants me to go out and kill all these people. It's not God. <laughs> You're listening to the wrong voice. Because God says you shall not kill. You know, uh, well, I've got to lie to these people to get away with things. God says you, that we're to, to not speak a lie. We need to understand what is going on. And don't say God has told you to violate his word. Now, will he do it? I'm going to say that I've seen things happen. Where, that, where I'll stand on that one is Romans 8:28. For all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you do something wrong, God will still make something good out of it. You will face consequences for it. But there will be some good that will work out of it. We need to understand these things. And Jesus said that he will show his truth and it will be revealed to those whom the Father chooses. Now, this is getting us into an area that we're not going to really get into because I do not have time to talk about this particular doctrine. The whole idea of di divine election and, and predestination. The Bible is full of all the words for, for, for uh, election and, and predestination. And the Bible is all full of places where it's free choice. Now, in my mind, I'm not wise enough and smart enough to put those two thoughts together. How can God be 100% in control of everything that goes on and yet I have a free will? I am not smart enough. I am not God. Somehow he's able to say, you guys, we all have our free will and yet we have a, that he's going to get his way. Don't know, don't understand. I have bits and pieces of it because management has taught me to be able to help get what I want and have people think it was their idea. So I understand a little bit of what he's done, and he's smarter than I am, I am, so I'm sure he can do it with no problem. But he says he reveals. Once the Spirit is in us, the light is turned on, and we understand spiritual things. But because of the fall of Adam and Eve, we are sinners. We are dead spiritually. We are born dead spiritually. And without Christ coming into us and, and reviving our spirit, we cannot understand spiritual things. It's a whole other dimension, whole other realm that we don't understand without him coming into us. And so we want to be able to understand true understanding of the spiritual things comes from the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And we just know that that's clear. And we got all these people trying to study. I actually took a class one time in a secular school on, on, on uh, religion. And when they got to Christianity, what they were teaching was not Christianity. That instructor and I went around and around and around on, on, the, on the bad interpretations of what, what she was teaching. And she was supposed to be smart. You know, and she was smart amongst her peers. But when it came to knowing anything spiritually, she was not smart. She did not understand. She did not see. She taught things that were not correct. Our question is, are we letting God teach us? Are we opening our hearts and our minds to the Spirit? When I, when I teach the, uh, the class on how to study the Bible, I tell the very first and primary tool is to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for understanding. The Holy Spirit will teach. When I was a teenager, before I really knew how to learn, I would ask God all the time, God, what does this mean? And he would tell me what it meant. 
After I went to Bible college and learned how to study, I found out the Holy Spirit knew what he was talking about, but now I could prove it. That was a good part. I could now prove it. It wasn't just God told me this. Now I could go back and say, well, here's, here's why it's true. Here's what it means. Here's what's going to happen. For us, our goal for us should always be that we study the word with prayerful consideration of the word. Look to the word and say, God, what is it you want me to learn? What is it that I am to be able to learn from this? How am I going to affect my life? The word of God is not just a book that we're studying to get knowledge. It's a book that teaches us how to live how to make proper decisions, how to go forward in our walk with God and, have, and consequences with it. And this is the really beauty of this. There's an acronym that many of you probably heard, Bible, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. <laughs> it's the instruction manual on how to live primarily here. Because once we go to heaven, we will have our glorified body and we will know what we're supposed to do. But while we're on earth, how do we live in this physical world in a spiritual way? Because this world is the five senses. The spiritual is not part of the five senses. I cannot touch and feel and smell and taste God. You know, uh, because he's outside of this realm. He's outside of what we are. His word, his truth is outside of all of that. So we need to be able to sit back and say, God, I want to know you. And to know him means that he comes in and he helps us to get to know him and build on his life. So this is where we are. Are we looking at God? Are we looking at the Holy Spirit to teach? And believe me, I understand. I go through lots and lots of books. If you, if you look at my library, there's books in there. There's books in my computer that I use. And those books are very good for studying the Bible. You know what I have found many times, though, when I start getting into all those books? Sometimes I get more confused. <laughs> you know, uh, I do not read very many commentaries because commentaries are all over the place. Those guys give you their opinion on everything they think. I like to just say, God, show me. What do these words really show me? And my encouragement for you is to Study God's word. Ask the Holy Spirit for guidance. And then share what you learn. My ultimate goal, what I would love to see in this church, is when we get together before Bible studies, before church, and we have everybody going, you know what God showed me? You know, i got to just share what God showed me this week in the Bible. That would be the greatest thrill to me, is for everybody to come back and saying, look, I've got to show you what this verse says. Not just to me, but to everybody. Went to a church one time where, you know, it was very interesting. If you met each other out in the grocery store, a Bible study would break out. <clears throat> because people would be sharing what they had learned that morning or the day before with each other. And they just couldn't wait. They knew you were in the church. They would start sharing. And, and then you would share, you know, it would be interesting. Bible studies all over town because people would get together in two and three and start sharing what God had shared with them. Are you reading the Bible enough to be able to have that kind of intimate relationship with God where you just want to share with others the excitement? I have a great blessing. I get to do this several times a week. <laughs> share with everybody what I, what I learn. You know, 
I also do it at, at, at work, don't worry. I, this isn't the only place I do. I get to share with people when they ask questions all the time at, 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 at my other job too. You know, uh, but just to be able to share, are you excited about God? Are you excited about what he's teaching you? If not, I'd, ask, I'd, I'd really encourage you, ask God to get you excited about his word. There is nothing more valuable and useful to us than his word. How do I live my life? How do I go about each day? How do I go forward with what's going on? All of this is very important for us. We're going to close here. The challenge for us this week is really get to know God intimately. Really seek him in his, in his word. You know, we encourage you to read the Bible through every, every day. And as I've said, though, if all you do is read three or four verses and they mean something to you, I'd rather have you just read two or three verses every day than just read three chapters and say, well, I got through the three chapters. <laughs> What'd you learn? Nothing. How's it affecting your life? Well, it isn't. I'd rather you read two or three verses that you meditate on and get to know well and work on them there. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. Lord, if there's anybody listening online that doesn't know you, we ask that today they will accept you as their Lord and Savior. They will recognize that they're a sinner destined for hell and that they need your sacrifice to, and accept your gift of salvation so that they will go to heaven they will share with somebody that they have done that, made that decision. And we just thank you, Lord. We ask you to bless us as we go, go about our business for the rest of the day and the week. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23, we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says... The penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10, 9 through 8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this, God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431.